Hey, this is Dave Davidson from Gargoyle, and you're listening to the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Procast. I'm your host, Dario, and uh, calling today from Boston, Massachusetts, is Dave Davidson from Gargoyle. Hi, Dave. How is it going? I'm doing good, Dario. Thanks for having me on. Fans of uh, tech death metal might know your name from Revocation, but you have a new project, as we just heard, and that project is called called Gargoyle. And maybe you can introduce us to the to the how this how this project came to be in the first place, and uh, with whom you started it. Sure. So I started this band with Luke Roberts a few years back. Uh, Luke and I had met when Revocation was on tour. Uh, his band Ayahuasca had opened for us, and I was already a big fan of Ayahuasca. He also plays in a uh, anonymous black metal band, which I cannot reveal the title of, but I'm a big fan of them as well. And uh, we just sort of got the talking where there was a mutual respect for, for one another as, as musicians. And uh, yeah, we just kind of hit it off and, and, and talked about maybe doing a project. Uh, when I got home from that tour, sent Luke some ideas. We just started trading ideas back and forth all over the internet because Luke is from Toronto. Uh, and like the, we actually ended up writing songs relatively quickly. So we, we were clicking right off the bat when we were uh, writing together. So yeah, we, we started off with nothing and uh, pretty quickly we just started writing song after song and the, and the floodgates uh, just really opened up creatively. So that was the the beginning of the of the band all right and then you released uh, an EP with two songs I think last year or, or one and a half years ago something like that mm -hmm. and that kind of landed you a deal with season of mist and there you are about to release your self-titled debut album right yeah so the two songs on the on the EP they are also or The titles are also to be found on the album. Uh, did you re-record the songs or just took them as they were? Oh, no, we re-recorded them entirely. So the the, the, the EP songs uh, were really just demos. I mean, they didn't even have real drums on them. All right. So like, I, mean, I think they sounded good for, for a demo, but uh, the, the, the songs on the, on the actual record sound so much better. The, the, everything from the performances... To the to the quality of the recording, and we changed it up uh, a little bit here and there. Like on the EP uh, that we did, it's a guitar solo on the end of Acid Crown, and on the actual record, we we had a saxophone solo there for my friend Eric. Yeah. Um, now to the to the probably difficult question of today: How would you describe the sound of Gargoyle? Uh, let's just keep it simple and call us prog rock. That 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 was a short answer, and uh, um, well, there there's certainly something to it, but um, I would say there's uh, especially with the prog rock label, I um, I would say I I just had an interview uh, recently with Stefan Alzar from Swedish band called Prehistoric Animals. And they are also somewhat prog rock, but also have a little 
darker vibe uh, at some points and also a little bit heavier at some points and just like hmm, when, when i say progressive rock the first association would be either you know genesis or yes or then i don't know flower kings or spock's beard or marillion or something of that sort and well the gargoyle sound is a tad different <laughs> so to say yeah oh for sure well you know i, I think about we're, we're progressive in the true sense of the word where uh you know when when you it, it's funny certain certain genres like you start to associate with with different bands um and i think that's why people want to try to like put all these labels on it but like you know you you, you strip all that stuff away i mean certainly there's like heavy metal tendencies of the band right um there's i mean there's no like death metal influence like in the vocals or anything like that but there's certainly really heavy moments really dissonant moments um but i think some of that that aggression can can come from you know a strong rock influence and then as far as the progressive label is concerned i mean we're really trying to push the boundaries of what people's preconceptions uh, of rock or preconceived notions of of rock is um i mean certainly I can I can really scratch that death metal thrash metal itch with revocation where there's you know blast beats and and brutal vocals uh, you know this is coming from a very like ins like it's 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 inspired by bands like you know of that grunge era in a lot of ways um, but there's also other more maybe like esoteric influences on there like uh, the band virus is a big influence on us um, you know e even elements of 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 black metal or uh, you know, weird bands like, I don't know, like Dysrhythmia and stuff like that. Like there's, there's, there's so many influences to this band, but I think at the end of the day, like everyone's going to have their own sort of, the, everyone's going to put their own label on it. So for me, I think it's just easier just to call us a, 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 a weird progressive rock band or a dark progressive rock band and then call it a day. But some people have called it progressive grunge. Some people have called it, you know, goth rock prog metal like there's all these different labels that have been put on gargle so far which is which is great for me because that just means like we're hard to categorize and that's exactly what i wanted to do with this project i mean one song might have like a a jazzy opeth kind of vibe to it and then the next song might sound like a weird like you know have a weird disco beat on it and sound like this bizarro song that like is inspired by like virus or something like that. So there's, there's, there's a lot of influences on the record. I think the record needs to be listened to like as a whole, but I think when you hear the whole thing and, and hear what we're going for, even though there's a lot of different peaks and valleys and dynamics and, and really, um, different influences on there. I think the en entire record when listen to it as a whole feels very cohesive to me. It feels like an artistic statement and it kind of just opens up the door for us to kind of, do whatever we want within the uh, within the confines of this of this sound. Yeah, um, I have to agree with that. I had uh, the pleasure of listening to it for yeah the last one and a half weeks or something. So I I went back to it at least once a day in the last days, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's what what I found very interesting is that like you said some people are putting a grunge label on it and i'm i have to admit and I, I was never really a big fan of grunge but uh yeah the gargoyle sound immediately appealed to me 
maybe because it was so or it is so proggy and and weird and and dissonant at times so yeah the the that absolutely unique mixture definitely worked for me um and i have as you also also said i had some some associations in my mind um primarily with the <laughs> with the vocal harmonies which are quite specific um it took me like half a week or something and five to ten playthroughs to uh, find that band in my mind that it was that i was looking for and it's a canadian band called heaven's cry especially their first two albums um food for thought substitute and primal power addiction from 1997 and 2002 have the vocal harmony vibe here and there uh i have the feeling and um another uh association that i had in my mind was the 90s era king crimson mm -hmm. so um yeah that uh <laughs> that that were my my thoughts of when listening to to gargoyle and i uh, just uh <laughs> kept coming back to the album um so Great. well well thank you i mean for 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 me uh it's it's cool because every every person that's going to listen to it so far from what it seems like to me from who i've talked to about it like they're, they're getting different associations or it's reminding them of different things and i think that's cool because like it, it's always different so i think it just makes this music hard to classify. I mean, at the end of the day, like any project that I'm involved with, I want it to have its own unique voice and not necessarily sound like anything else or anything that people have heard before. Uh, maybe there's some things that might remind them about different bands, but, um, yeah, like, like I've said from the, from the reviews I've seen and, or just like different, what people's takes on it have been like from fans and the feedback I've gotten, <coughs> it's all so very different. So I think, uh, I think that's cool that it like when someone else hears this music like it at first they find it like very hard to to categorize which is which is great because I want it to be its own thing. Yeah, but it it also can be kind of a disadvantage um yeah, just for people discovering it because they're not sure sure what to expect if they read reviews that are kind of contradicting or or just saying something different um yeah don't you don't you think uh well you know for for me like i'm not really too concerned with like you know critics and this and that especially because the record i think is going to take a while to grow on people um so i think people are gonna are gonna get it and if they don't get it right away like hopefully they'll get it with like several listens because it's not like an easily digestible record. I think there's like some real beauty to it, but it's not just like, you know, a, like a, like a pop rock record that you're going to throw on and like, just like immediately like get like the song structures. I think, I think a lot of the songs to me are, are super catchy, but I also realize like I'm into like really weird, like avant-garde shit. So, um, I, I think, you know, we, we, we write music first and foremost for ourselves. I mean like this, 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 band uh certainly is 
is a product of, you know, my and Luke's like love of, of, of different genres of, of, of rock and, and, uh, like we said, said some like avant-garde influences. So this was a record that I feel like we both really had to make and, uh, yeah, hopefully people like enjoy it and come along for the ride. But I think either way, it's going to make you feel something. <laughs> okay. Uh, finally enough, uh, two, two of the la later latest episodes or the, the interviews I, had this week two other interviews i also like the one uh, with stefan alsar i mentioned and the other one is uh, with a australian band called chaos divine that will come out that episode will come out after this episode here and with both uh bands or artists we, at one point we talked about um yeah the uh the perseverance of not uh, giving up too quickly with uh, certain prog records or with certain records that might not appeal immediately to you. And, and then after a while, if you keep persisting and, and keep coming back to it, it might reward you with, a, with an amazing listening experience. Indeed, yeah. And uh, maybe we can dive into uh, into the avant-garde shit you just teased uh, later. You just uh, you also said that uh, of course it's uh, the, the you and Luke Roberts you are the main guys behind the project. Um, but listening to the album, I also strongly feel that the the bass and the and the drum parts are are just as equally important and crazy and, and and tricky and proggy and make make the album what it is so uh who's playing with you on there uh yeah i mean brett lear is the bass player an incredible musician uh the he's got tons of skill and also a great ear and he's able to come up with like really awesome bass lines uh and we were able to collaborate together on on some bass lines as well which is cool he's 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 for as skilled as he is he's he's very open to different ideas so i found Brett incredibly easy to work with and incredibly inspiring to work with because he's such a pro and uh, yeah just just a great teammate overall uh and, and also a great singer um and then James Neural uh, our drummer he is just a phenom i mean j just an incredible performer um, tons of technical ability, but also tons of grooves. Sometimes with drummers, it's kind of like one or the other where it's like, you know, a guy's got like tons of technical skill, but maybe like the groove department is lacking a little bit or vice versa. But, um, his pocket is great. And he, he also has just tremendous technical ability. I remember being in the studio, uh, it, it, we went to, we tracked the drums at God city, uh, in Salem, uh, which is Kurt Ballou from Converge's studio. And like, like me and the, uh, recording engineer, um, Chris Johnson, who was recording the drums, were just like laughing like at how good his takes were. He was just like crushing it behind the so, kit. Um, anyway, so yeah, the the, the, the drums and bass are, are definitely integral parts of our music. They're, they're certainly not afterthoughts in any way. I think they, they really sort of contribute to our sound and to our style. Uh, and that was sort of one of the things that we wanted to embrace. Like early on when Luke and I were talking, you know, because we both play in heavier bands, like, That, that I think that strange element is always going to come through, you know, whether it's like some might call it abrasive or dissonant or whatever. Like there's always going to be some some grit, I think, to the to the music that we write. 
in some ways just because we love to listen to that and it's sort of like in our blood. Um, but like there were certain drum beats that we almost wanted to, you know, shy away from not, not to like limit ourselves, but because like we, we already kind of explore that those sounds so much in our other bands. So, uh, we had to kind of come up with like other approaches to thinking about things rhythmically, uh, in order to, you know, to, to, to keep different grooves, um, but also to kind of like inspire ourselves from a, from a rhythmic standpoint and kind of put ourselves outside of our comfort zone. So there's, there's a song, uh, for example, on the record called ambivalent. Eye, a song that I wrote that's got this like weird, like almost like disco beat from like outer space on it or something <laughs> like that, that like really drives the music, but just like adds a different kind of swing to it entirely than, uh, maybe what some people like would expect and that's definitely like inspired by different bands like virus and um and, and bands of that nature that like yeah are like have this weird kind of dark edge to them but like the rhythms underneath almost have like a danceable quality to them um so i think combining this weird kind of dissonant riffage with like this like kind of upbeat sort of dancey um syncopated drum groove uh, i don't know it just it just does something to the to the to the ear that's like very unexpected and hopefully surprising uh and enjoyable um i know for for me uh, that's a that's a song that um uh, i really love on that record uh luke's vocal performance um, is incredible and in, uh, in addition to the to the instrumentation that uh, the bass and drums provide on that song it really like made the guitar riffs come to life uh yeah for th for that song i actually wrote down haken goes avant-garde that was my association for that song in particular Okay, uh, yeah. So I, see, I never listened to the, uh, see all of the bands that you've mentioned. I've never listened to. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of thought that might be the case, but I, I wanted to to drop those names any anyhow. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's funny, you know what I mean? Because you're you're getting these associations, and and like you know, the, the, these bands were weren't influences. So it's it's kind of interesting. I think everyone goes in i mean the, the the mind is such an interesting thing and like in everyone's psychology it's like you you bring something of yourself to the music when you're listening to it um you know i've heard it been said before that like you know when when you're creating music right you're, you know you're writing music for yourself or for your bandmates in the beginning and, and you have a certain sense of ownership of, over that obviously but when you put it out into the world it, it becomes everyone's music it becomes like like everyone has a certain sort of you know, ownership over that in the sense that like, you know, how, like uh, something that I was thinking when I wrote the song, it might connect with a person and remind them of something like totally different, but mm -hmm. it still connects with them on this like emotional level because it reminds them of a time in their life. And then all of a sudden that musical statement becomes that much stronger because they're attaching it to a certain feeling or mood or or or, or band or, or something that's nostalgic that they grew up listening to that they can't put their finger on of why it reminds them of that but it does so i think that's kind of one of the beautiful things about music is it's so much a part of the sort of collective unconscious or whatever once it you know goes out into the ether like that <laughs> and th that that was actually something i talked uh, about with uh, farida from molasses and that that episode is going to come out one week probably after this episode and they also have their debut album coming up on season of mist mm -hmm. um, label mates yes exactly but a, a little bit of different sound more psychedelic yeah and um yeah but but interesting that that uh these that some of the themes that we're talking about this week or that i'm talking about this week where i have uh, quite a lot of interviews 
keep popping up. Um, one question I wanted to ask about the songwriting process. So when um, when Brett and James joined the band, did you have already the like most of the songs written together with with uh, Luke, or did they have uh, the chance to to yeah? Have the songs, the songs were mostly written between Luke and I. Um, I, I would say, you know, like they were probably 90, 95% there. But I think it's always good to, when, when you're working on a record and leading up to that recording, uh, you know, nothing's ever set in stone until the, the record goes off to get pressed, right? So I'm a big proponent of the notion that, like, you know, things can and should change uh, while you're in rehearsals. And while you're in a studio environment as well, I mean, you know, I, I think it's cool to like take risks in the studio and to, to add that kind of wild card, wild card element in there. Certainly because like, I don't know, it's just like an inspiring environment. I mean, here you are recording these songs for real. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're getting the takes down. You might be hearing different things, listening to them on different studio monitors or, 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 or listening to playback through different amps. Um, I, I always like to leave the door open for creativity and for those like to, to allow creative creative thought to, to, to flow in any environment uh, of the writing process. Like I never want to write a song and just think like, okay, it's done. You know, I, I wrote it and I, I took one pass at it and okay, this is good enough and we're going to just leave it at it as is. I think in refining something and constantly going back and, and working it, it's like you're, it's like a piece of clay or something that you're like molding. So, um, yeah, just always leaving the door open for creativity in every single element of the process, I think, is important. And so that being said, we had the, the structures primarily finished and, and, and the parts primarily finished. But like, you know, if James was doing a take in a studio, like we would try different things and just like I would throw out an idea or he would throw out an idea. And if it worked, it worked. Same thing with the bass. Cool. Um, yeah, you mentioned also that brett is uh, an amazing vocalist so um but the the vocals are all performed by luke on the album correct yeah luke recorded them all in his home studio yeah the the, the intro truth of a tyrant is entirely a cappella so it's uh yeah it starts off uh, on a strong note vocally and especially yes. vocal, vocal harmony wise um but now having having a good second uh, vocalist in the band certainly uh, might be interesting for uh, future endeavors both maybe in future records or if circumstances worldwide will allow it uh, also in the live setting so do you have any any plans um further than releasing the album finally now Uh, to tour, uh, both a anything. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're gonna yeah, the record's coming out, so we're gonna promote it in any way that we can. But um, th th there's no plans to tour right now. Uh, I mean, I would love to, but I I'm already seeing bands cancel tours that were rescheduled. Um, yeah. In in my estimation, like nothing is gonna happen for the rest of this year, and I would be surprised if tours happen in the spring I'm, I'm, i think earliest would be the summertime um potentially like maybe even the fall of of next year um it's it's too tough to say without a vaccine yeah and and also like without the proper i mean we're still learning so much about this 
pandemic. Um, so we'll, like, I think there's just too many variables. I think anyone that tells you they know uh, is is probably yeah. So uh, here, here in Germany, we we actually have concerts again, like this socially distanced, seated venues, um, limited capacity. So um, I've al already talked a bit here on the show in previous in, um, editions. Uh, yeah, so we have like uh, in a venue where normally uh, 1,200 people would fit, there's now it's now seated with 200 people. And yeah, so, it's so, just the cost of doing business with tour is so high. So like, absolutely, you can't really, like the margins are so small to cut them by like a quarter. Or, or, or to cut it down to a quarter, I just don't know how that's going to be. Like for a local band, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're just driving down the street or, 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 you know, 20 miles or whatever. But like to really go on tour and, and have plane tickets and, and, a, and a tour bus or, or, or rent a van and rent gear, uh, it's just yeah. incredibly expensive to, to, to put like, you know, an, a crazy cap on it. Um, I mean, unless the government yeah. is coming in and subsidizing those types of things and, and paying bands like their full guarantee. But You know, I've already heard like touring bands would have to take a hit from their money and, you know, obviously like from merch and all, all these things. So, um, you yeah. know, you, you already have to operate with pretty slim margins given the the uh, the, the cost of doing business is yeah. so high. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I think it's great that some local things are coming back. But as far as like picking it up and doing like a show on the road where you do like 30 tour dates, I just don't know if it's sustainable for a touring band. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, as you said, yeah, most most of the bands playing here are local, and we just had Ginger playing uh, last week. That was like the big exception, the only international band I think in the uh, scene right now in the metal scene that I know went on tour here. Um, the others were are all German at least. Um, but then again, we never know how how this plays out in the next weeks as we see with our neighbors in the Netherlands in the Netherlands in Holland they are uh, close to a second lockdown now because their numbers are rising again um, right so that could happen here just as well um, it, disregarding the, the the global situation uh, regarding the pandemic now uh, you you could see in at some point in the future to bring gargoyle to the stage oh yeah for sure <laughs> of course i mean we, we we did a little mini tour uh, uh this was like you know last year or whatever where we played uh, a few shows in the states that were all really fun so i would i would love to get back out there and 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 do that more it's just you know when you ask me if there's if there's any plans right now i mean we don't have any plans just because like if we book something it's probably going to get canceled yeah But but it's not gonna st stay like a, a studio project. So if the if the opportunity arises, uh, yes, if the opportunity <laughs> arises, I would love to go out on tour and really you know really support this record and, and play these songs live because I think they're they're they'll be really cool live. There's there, there's so many different dynamics on this record as I mentioned before, and uh, you know I I think people that do pick up the record and sit with it are, are, are going to hopefully really vibe with it and, and hopefully want to see these songs performed, performed live. Um, so fingers crossed, uh, this pandemic gets under control and 
there's a there's a universal vaccine that's safe and effective and easily to, easy to distribute, and we can get back out on the road sometime, you know, next year or or, or possibly the year after at, at the yeah. latest. But you know, who knows? At that point, maybe we'll already be writing the next record. <laughs> yeah, but the, I, I was just uh, looking at the at the track list and and thinking, yeah, the, the when the acapella intro "Truth of a Tyrant" ends and then "Plastic Nothing" starts with that crazy off kilter riff and it's just thinking about that puts a smile on my face and then thinking about seeing that live i think that my grin would be pretty wide <laughs> because it's <laughs> just so much fun oh um, yeah thanks man see we're getting you excited already <laughs> absolutely um rounding off this uh fun chat about music uh, we have a little section in the procast that we like to call what's in your walkman so is there anything you've been listening to lately that you would like to share with us that we could add to the playlist as well that we're uh, compiling for this episode? Sure, yeah. Um, is it in, in sort of the metal world or? Uh, it's totally open. Can be, can be, can be anything. Can be okay. pop, hip hop, <laughs> anything you want. <laughs> we're, <coughs> we're not the sure. prog gatekeepers here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, if if you like the heavier stuff, I kind of I went down a uh, death metal rabbit hole recently, and um, I became a really big fan of this band, Cosmic Putrefaction. They're a newer band. Um, they put out a new record. Uh, it's got a long title. Let me see what the album title is. Give me one second here. Album title is called "The Horizon Torch," which splendor withers. Uh, really, any track off that record is great. It's just like if 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 you like sort of like an old school death metal approach, but with some some really uh, you know weird riffing and, and and unique like just a unique voice to the uh, to the to the music. Um, I would say check that out. Also, um, Dimensions by Lantern. I really like that. It also has sort of like an old school kind of aesthetic, but like. I don't know, like the, the, the main riff writer in that band just has a has a really good ear for just out there riffs that just sounds super unique and it, it just grabbed me uh mm -hmm. grabbed me right away. Um as far as you know other things to uh, that I'm that I'm listening to, uh let me see here. There's uh, I was going on a, a little bit of a Ben Monder kick recently. I'm a big big fan of Ben Monder. Um, he's got a record called Hydra, I believe. And uh, you probably can't play Hydra on your show because it's almost 25 minutes long, but uh, <laughs> just an absolutely insane, insane piece of music. Um, I remember playing it for a, a few guitar player buddies of mine and it like like freaked them out so much they're like like this is like giving me like an anxiety attack this is like such crazy <laughs> okay. music um so yeah if you want to hear where some of those kind of weird unnerving influences came from uh ben monder was definitely one of them he's a great avant-garde jazz guitar player composer from the new york area great Th those are all three artists i've never heard of um, I'm I'm super curious to check them out, and it's a it's actually a standalone playlist um, 
apart from from the podcast itself so i can oh, put, cool. I, I can absolutely put a 20 minute song in there and all right uh usually what i do is also um put uh best off of the band uh, in there but since you only have the one record now um maybe i can throw in some revocation and uh ayahuasca um sure as well uh, i also have uh, some recommendations that uh also kind of popped up with this with this grunge slash uh grunge prog slash uh avant-garde prog theme mm -hmm. uh so last year uh there was the uh, or was it this year no it was last year i think it was last year <laughs> anyway a french uh band called natural disorder they play some kind of grunge prog as well or oh, prog, cool. proggy grunge the album is yeah. called corrosion and passion and i recommend the song run and i will pu put that in a playlist uh another band that's been mentioned in association with gargoyle sound by reviews and um in the press release and wherever uh, whatever and i can abs absolutely see this connection uh sound wise would be voivod and um i was super happy to to get reminded to actually listen to the EP, The End of Dormancy, that they put out earlier this year. I only had listened to the to the title track, so to speak, but on the EP there's also a live version of that one from the Jazz Festival in, in Montreal. Yeah, uh, that's uh, in an Mon incredible uh, piece. Montreal, I, I, not Montreal. <laughs> they I are love Canada. Canada. We toured with them, <laughs> uh, Revocation did, and they're just, yeah, they're just incredible, incredible musicians. So yeah, the 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 end of dormancy has a, a a a similar kind of weird vibe as gargoyle, I would say, and uh, maybe even weirder. Definitely at times more hectic and more mathy would be a project or a band called Autocatalytica, and uh, they are about to drop their I think third album on October 16 and it's called power clashing maximalism and we at the prog space actually premiered the first single from that uh, album it's called zippler the song super crazy stuff those would be my three entries for the accompanying playlist to this episode of the podcast dave it's been a pleasure talking to you um super excited about the release of gargoyles debut album self-titled debut album all the best with the release and uh, yeah hope to see you on the road again at some point down the road uh, as they say uh, thanks for being on the show uh, thank you guys out there for listening and as always uh, take care of yourselves take care of your loved ones and listen to weird music Thank you so much for having me, Dario. I really appreciate uh, the interview. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you're digging the record. And I hope you all listening will enjoy it too. Thanks again, man. The Progcast is a production of Stuus Media and is presented by The Prog Space. It is produced by Randy M. Salo, Janine Stango-Lewis, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, and Dario Albrecht. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant. <laughs>